This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Podcast, brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis, and I hope the week is treating you all great. You know, for me, the week is going well. The weekend was really awesome. Um, me and my lovely lady, Jasmine, went to a wedding reception out in Long Island on Saturday night. Um, one of her friends that uh, she had graduated with from high school, you know, had got married, and they had this really, really nice uh, wedding reception. It was really cool to kind of meet, you know, some of her friends as, as her and I, her um, relationship is growing you know i get to meet you know some of her friends she's met some of mine already and you know it was really cool then like after that you know her and i went to brooklyn right and literally we're in long island and we drove to brooklyn to uh see a friend of mine who she was giving um she was she had a birthday party out at this club and she's a dj um really really out there doing her thing azon um azon music as she is on instagram you could check out her um her new album which is called Life Unknown. So make sure you check that out. If you're into the uh, dance, EDM, trance scene, uh, make sure you uh, support her music. It's really, really good. And she's extremely, extremely talented. Make sure you check that out. But speaking of extremely talented artists, you know, this week, you know, my guest, you know, Just NBL is from the city of Philadelphia. And when we think about, you know, rec- you know, recording artists, especially hip hop artists from, from the city of uh, Philadelphia, you know, we could think about artists like, of course, Meek Mill. The guys like Cassidy, Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Eve, Lil Uzi Vert, Black Thought, Fresh Prince, the late PMB Rock. You know, there is a huge list of, you know, talented hip hop artists. I mean, artists in general from Philly in general, but definitely on the hip hop scene, you know, there's a lot of talent that came out of Philly. And, you know, just NBL, we talked about a lot of things, you know, we're talking about in just the beginning he was really young and how he was exposed to music very, very early in his life and how that was a huge impact on him and what he's doing today. And let's not wait any longer. My interview with the talent that just NBL starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, right now I have coming to you from West Philly. That's right, West Philadelphia, born and raised, the one and only Justin Biel. Thank you for coming on to the DLU podcast. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I know we um you had reached out and you wanted to come on to the show. And again, I'm you know honored that you know you selected the DLU podcast to um, talk about your illustrious career and what you're doing in music. And as I alluded to, um, you're from West Philly. So tell me about growing up in West Philly and how that shaped the human being, the musician and everything that you are. Well, one growing up in West Philly, my uncles and them used to go to the studio down in South Philly or downtown old city area called slap studio. So when I moved back to Philadelphia after my parents divorced, when I was three or four, I used to be inside of there all the time. Mm. And then when I became yeah, so I used to go to the studio often when I with my dad and my uncles watching them record at a young age. I don't remember too much from being that young, but I do remember that. And then from 6 to 16, I had the studio in my basement, a really nice one. So artists from all over the city would come through, musicians, singers. They had a green screen in the basement. 
Oh, wow. On internet radio stations. So I've been groomed for this since I was a little kid. And growing up in West Philly, just hanging out with the homies and other people do music, mm-hmm. you know, going through trials and tribulations, being young, growing up in that kind of environment, because sometimes it could be a little hostile, just makes you stronger because there's going to be tougher things that come later on, you know. That's how I look at it now. Before, it's like, why is this happening? But now when you get older, you're like, oh, because it's going to get stronger. So you got to be more prepared. And build you for it. Absolutely. So you said that you um you were, you know, going to the studio when you were really you know, like three or four years old. So what type of music were they making? Or like what, what was, was the eclectic, genre? It was a it was innovative, I would say innovative eclectic hip hop. It was a mix of rock and rap. Oh wow. So we're talking about, you know, because when I when I think about rock and hip hop, I think about the originals when you talk about Walk This Way with Aerosmith and Run DMC. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's good to hear that people were taking it, taking that on because that was a new thing. You know, yeah. people didn't know how to take it, but it's like, you could put rock with anything now. You could literally put rock and hip and hip hop are almost like distant cousins of each other because it's, it has that same, especially when you talk about metal and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's, it's that great, that same aggression, you know what I mean? And we're coming from a good place, you know what I mean? So you talk about, you know, going to the studio, you know, with your family and everything. So, Talk about school. So what type of student were you? I was an okay student. Like I, I did, I was like a BC student, but when mm-hmm. I really honed in, I did really well in school. I did above average, but when I really focused, like I noticed with me, if I'm not hanging out with my friends like that and things like that, right. I'm able to get do much better in school. Yeah, now I even take that to even how I am now. When I'm not really hanging out, I get more done, but if I'm hanging out, I start slacking. So my grades were, were were pretty decent. They weren't terrible. I never got left back or anything, and I didn't have any. I all had I had all regular classes growing up. Okay, all right. Now you talk about that. Now, did you play sports? You do like any athletics or anything? I'll play football, but like not for like a team. Like I played with my homies. We play football and we would play basketball. And I used to be into WWE when I was younger, but I never played for like a team team. I just would play often, just amongst friends and stuff like that. Oh, wow, you're in the WWE where you're talking to a pro wrestling ring announcer right now. I'm actually a ring announcer for the world-famous Monster Factory, ECWA, and SWF, man. So, if you know, offline. Sure, we can definitely... Yeah, man, absolutely. Sure, mm-hmm. Yes, 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 indeed. We'll talk about wrestling offline. So, when was it that you made that decision? I know, again, I know you said you it was always around you, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, we kind of say, okay, I, I kind of want to do it, but I'm not sure. When was it that you made that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead with this music thing? It started when I was like nine or ten because I always had an ear for lyrics. Okay. I just didn't know how to perform them for a long time. So so who was the one that gave you, I guess, the, the 411 on how to make that happen? I, it really was just watching my uncles and a lot of the people that came to the studio, the engineers and the other rappers and singers, just watching them. Mm-hmm. And also, I would show stuff to my uncles and them, and they would tell, give me ideas. And one of the things my uncle told me recently, he said, well, this, he told me this when I was 13, when I was a little bit older, when I actually really started recording. Like, when I was 9 and 10, I was just writing, and I tried to perform something one time, you know, deliver it, but it was bad. Like, the lyrics was really good, but the performance was bad. You get what I'm saying? It was offbeat and my tone wasn't there. And my uncle them told me when I was 13, when I really started recording, I was actually getting better. He said, one day you're going to have that aha moment when everything clicks on how to flow, how to put things together and everything. And he recently told me that recently that I finally had my aha moment because he wasn't really fully paying attention to my music because he has other things going on in life. You know, he got kids and stuff. No, for but, sure, um, for sure, for sure. He, he put me onto that. He was just telling me how to study different rappers, study, don't even just study rap, study music as a whole, rap your favorite lyrics so you can understand rhythm better, things of that nature. Okay, and I'm glad you asked that because I want to take uh, a few notches back a little bit. So growing up, who were some of the rappers or musicians, you know, obviously recording artists that you look to as far as saying inspiration as far as who were some of the ones you were listening to on the constant besides my uncles and uncles i used to listen to their tapes often um i used to listen to biggie was my first favorite 
first favorite, really first favorite rapper. It was like 50 Cent when I was three or four, but I really didn't know the music. It was just basically because he was always on MTV or BET. You always see him. But when right. I really started getting to the music when I was older, like nine, ten, it was Biggie. I used to listen to Ready to Die every day in the summer of 2009. And I wasn't supposed to. Well, I could tell you um, that album, and it's it's a shame that, you know, obviously he died a few weeks before the album came out. And I'm old enough to remember that. And to this day, that, I mean, you know, figured his, sick thing about his second album was a double album. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was way above his, it was it was ahead of his time. That album was ahead of his time. And as far as him being able to show his versatility as an artist, you know, when especially Notorious Thugs, because when I heard that for the very I'm first time, I'm like, now just wait a minute. Because because I mean, obviously, you know, everyone that knew Buck, Bone Thugs and Harmony back then, they had their own thing on how they flowed. You know what I mean? And yeah. the fact that Big hopped on the track and the first thing on oh, the dangerous can't do me again but i'm like oh snap like <laughs> i had the double i had the double cassette you know what i mean and i i was i was blown away by what he was able to do he was trying to show i'm more than just this that i can do this oh i could do that too and it makes me wonder had you know him and tupac had lived you know where would they be in today where would hip-hop be today you know had they been around so you said you started you know going you started really getting serious about nine or ten so what was the first complete song you wrote because again everybody has that moment when they're little when they started you know when they're writing stuff or whether it's art i mean if, if they're painting something or if it's poetry or whatever it is but what was the first rap that you could remember writing at a young age um, one of my first joints is still on SoundCloud to this day. Is when I was thirteen, when I was in eighth grade, we had did something to the Respiration beat that Tyler Kwali and Most Def did. Okay, and I can remember that one. I don't remember the joints when I was nine or ten. I really don't remember. I don't remember those. But okay. I remember only thing I do remember was to the I'm on one beat that Drake and DJ Khaled did back in the day. Okay. That's all I remember. So, what was the thought that went into that? The the one you definitely remember from when you was in eighth grade. So, talk. Let's talk about it. So. What was the thought process in getting that done? What were some of the things that you had to say, okay, I need to take this direction or that direction? What were some of the things that went into that? One of the things is from listening to Big, I always and also listen, listen to Eminem a little bit, is the rhyme schemes. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking ways to piss figurative language inside of the record with similes and metaphors and things of that nature. And one of the also one of the things they even said in the record was trying to make sure my rhythm was right because you know your raps have to be musical even your verses they have to be catchy like hooks nobody want to hear something super lyrical and the, the flow isn't that good and the and the tone of your voice isn't appealing you're not putting your personality into the record you really had to do that so I was I was kind of thinking like that to a certain extent now but I just didn't have the words like I do now because of my understanding of music so take me through it so. On on a on a typical day or whatever, and you're writing. How uh, long if you have you know you want to get something done, you know you want to get a record done or whatever. Or as far as a different a, a certain a track, how long would it take you to complete the whole entire thing? Obviously, you're going to have rewrites and everything, but just the initial thought process. Now or back then? I would say back then versus now. Back then, it's kind of similar. Now, when I write, I write. It takes me like 20, 30 minutes to come up with a verse. Back then, now I can do a song in 30, 40 minutes. Sometimes I have to retweak things, but it's not necessarily always rewriting. I might put too many filler words in, but mm-hmm. let me get back to back then. When I would do songs, the main problem I had was actually getting the flow together, so I have to do a lot of takes. I literally okay. do like 20 takes for, for a verse, and sometimes I might have to do like five or six takes for, one, for a couple bars or something like that. Right, 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 right. I to do that often because I didn't understand fully rhythm like that. I how to do it. I just knew how to write. And that's where I guess the art form, like I said to you, like what you say your uncle was saying as far as like the artistry of it in regards to just how everything does flow. Now, what have been some of the ups and downs you've experienced in just the creative process? Oh. Uh... 
I don't have too many, but sometimes, like I said before, sometimes I might put filler words in sometimes, like too many of them. Like, granted, listen to other rappers like Jay-Z and them, they sometimes do that as well for us for a purpose. But sometimes the perfectionist in me be like, no, I got to re redo this line or do this line. And I need to also sometimes another problem I had was making sure that I adapt to the right kind of beat. So if it's a chiller beat, the delivery has to be more chiller with it, just enough passion into it so it won't be too monotone. Right. And understanding the blending. If it's a hype track, you got to be hyper, put more mm -hmm. passion into it. Not too much. You know, they don't want to overpower people, but things of that nature. Another thing that was also holding me back is the mixes. That's where I'm at now. I got an engineer that's doing my mixes. And the really thing that's hindering my creativity is like money and stuff like that. Like I have the talent. I know how I can, how to get myself out there. It's just when I try to get myself the money to be able to do things, it's always a block. But that, but that's me looking at it like the universe testing me and seeing how much badly I want it. It'd be times I'd be trying to write the song and I got this idea flowing in my head and I pick up a pen, the pen don't work. I pick up another pen, the pen don't work. Right, <laughs> right, one, right, right, right. And I have it like six or seven times and I'd be saying to myself laughing. I said, oh, they, they testing me, see how badly I want it. Then I finally get that right pen that works and then I'd be salty. But I didn't lose the idea, but, you know, little stuff like that. Right. Now, what's the best advice that, and obviously, you know, you say your uncle, you know, everything who's who's been in your corner. What's the the biggest piece of advice he gave you? Uh, 10,000 bars. That's what he told me. Keep writing until you get 10,000 bars even further. I took that literal because I had a group. NBL was originally a group and everybody else didn't take it as serious as I did. Oh, I see what you mean. And speaking of which, just NBL. What does the acronym NBL stand for? What is what is the whole? What does your name stand for? Just NBL. Just is uh, half of my middle name because I go by my middle name because most people in my family call me by my middle name. Only people that call me by my first name is people that I went to school with. Right. And, but everybody in my family calls me by my middle name because I'm the fourth. But NBL stands for Natural Born Leader. It was it was two things. It was natural born leader and natural born legend, like a double entendre in a sense. Right, 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 but, right. Um, I went with the natural born leader, but I recently picked it back up when I was talking to Jonathan and them from through uh, radio pushers and stuff like that. Because right. originally it was going to be just with a dollar sign, but he said that's not going to be able to catch people. Not because of that, but when you try to type it in, search engines is going to be messing up. So I said, you know what? Why don't I just pick NBL back up? Because I've been listening to a lot of Miles Davis, and that's my biggest inspiration right now. And um, he was an innovator in his time, and I said, I'm going to be an innovator just like him, but in a hip-hop sense, really pushing the genre forward. Wow. And, I mean, you, you mentioned Jonathan from Radio Pushers, and I'm going to give a huge shout-out to uh, the team at Radio Pushers, Jonathan, Patience J, you know, for um, all they've done for me. And in, in assisting me and getting my my own podcast back on the, back off the ground, and they were encouraging me to do it. So huge shout out to them. Now, yeah, sure. Now you said obviously you say you have some uh, music on SoundCloud. So let's move into some of your catalog. And again, we're just going to skip around a little bit. So I listened to your recent EP, Party in Here. Tell me about the project. Wow. What went into it? And all the aspects of it, you know, as far as your your producers, sound engineer, and everything else. Because I know one song that I really like, two of them, was one is called J-U-S, Just, and of course, uh, Partying in Here with Shife Timmons. So tell me a little bit about the project itself and all the aspects involved in it. Well, one thing, bro, is um, since my engineer, he's actually starting to mix and master everything again so the sound could be better. Because when the version that you hear was me trying to do the mixing, like I'm okay with it. But since he's more seasoned, I'm having him doing it. And another thing also, bro, is I'm adding two more tracks onto the record. That's I'm just giving you the heads up so you can know. But when it came to doing this record, like when I learned from studying Miles Davis and Prince, they never put themselves in a box. They always went in different directions. Not right. because they're trying to hop on this trend or anything, just because, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a box. When you get your signature sound, like I have, or Miles Davis did, you want to experiment with different things and stuff like that. You know, you you know that regurgitating old hits is creative death. You know, right, 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 right. So when I made the record, I was just recording tracks, and how 
I got I have my own self validation, so I know when my my poop stink, so I know when I make something bad. And I'm listening to these tracks. I'm like, yo, these is dope. And then I was playing them to some of the homies and stuff. And they really liked them too. And that's the those actually JUS and those songs is actually the songs that my uncle told me that were um they're like, oh, you finally had your aha moment because he's saying how I'm flowing and stuff. Because if you notice know kind of how I rap, I kind of rap like a singer in a sense because I be holding notes when I rap mm-hmm. a little bit if you really notice it. But that's mm-hmm. from listening to a lot of R&B and a lot of jazz and stuff like that. Yeah, and, 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 but, um, and at the end of this, like, it's all relative, you know what I mean? And uh, regardless regardless of the genre, you know, everything is going to cro- every everything is going to cross paths. You know what I'm yeah, saying? We all connected. Absolutely. Connected. Absolutely. Now, you said that you you recorded a lot of music for this. So, these seven tracks that you chose, what made you choose these seven? Were these the best of the ones that you did, or was it was this was it a strategy behind it in regards to why you chose these seven? Um, no, it wasn't no real strategy. I just wanted to um have just a different sound from what I did with the Rebirth of the Cool Project, and I'm in the process of redoing that. Similar, how the party here is going to be done, and I just picked songs that I just liked. I had other songs that I liked. I don't record too much that I don't like. It's mm-hmm. just sometimes I can't tell what's the hit record. I can't tell what's the single. I can tell something's bad or trash, but I can't tell what's the single. And just playing it to my friends, they thought it was dope. So I was like, right, I'm going to put it up. But what really came with the party in here one is Shy Timmons, we was hanging out. We was playing each other stuff from our vaults and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he should play me party in here. He said, go hop on it. I said, hell yeah, just, just send it over. Right, right. And the, the day he sent it over, I wrote my version. I just put it down. I just sent it back to him. And then I'm thinking like, all right, I want to put out another project. Like, what's the name of it going to be? Then I thought to myself, oh, party in here, that's going to be the perfect job. And then that's when I made the cover and I got it together and I just put it out. This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. All right. Now, let's go backward a little bit. Uh-huh. Big drip. Yeah. Man, it looks like this was put back in 2018 when you put that out. It like, sounds it looks like this was your first, your first single. So... You said you had some stuff on SoundCloud for a while, and obviously you made that transition to getting it on the big streaming platforms. And this is no shade on SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud is a really, really it's good amazing. platform. Absolutely. So I wish SoundCloud was around when I was younger. <laughs> Believe me, I wish <laughs> I wish it was. But what what was it that made you make that 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 next step in regards to getting it to the bigger platforms? And when and what went into Big Drip as far as writing this particular record? Okay, I'm gonna answer the first question. Well, with the well, when it came to actually get my stuff on all the streaming platforms, I noticed a lot of people didn't really listen to SoundCloud as much, and I know because I didn't really listen to SoundCloud as much anymore when I got my Apple Music and everything and the titles and stuff like that. Right, and right, just right. Just being around people, I'm noticing people don't really listen to SoundCloud as much. SoundCloud was a thing that was popping when I was like in eighth. So like 11th, 12th grade, and then when streaming really came in full effect, I noticed people were putting stuff on Apple Music, so I decided to go that route with it. Because it, it makes more it. sense from a business perspective. You can't just be a pure artist. You got to be a pure artist that understands the business so you won't get screwed over and you know how to make effective and efficient moves to be able to push yourself even further into people around you. Right, exactly. Now, what? So let's talk about the big drip pro that that particular project, your first single, you know, on the big platform. So, what went into that? Again, as far as as far as the team is concerned, and where everything that went into that particular that particular record. Okay, around that time, that's that that was written and recorded when I was in twelfth grade, at the end of my high school year, and after I left my Winfield house that I had the studio in. I'm just giving the backstory. After 
I left that place, I wasn't able to record for a couple years. I was just writing every day. So my performance started to suck because of the because my my muscle, you know, because being in those studios like being in the gym, my muscle got weak. So when I came back to PA after leaving Florida and stuff like that and moved out to Pottstown, mm-hmm. I began to work. I began to go to the studio on High Street. And when I first started to go in there, like my lyrics was there, but my performance still was sucking. And then out of nowhere from just kept practicing and working, I finally was able to get my performance back together. But the thing was, when I did Big Drip, I was finally starting to rap to the new school beats because I was such an old soul. I didn't really listen to the new music until I slimmed down, lost weight, and started hanging around my friends. They played all of the new music, and I didn't really listen to it like that. Like, I might know, like, a, a some of the melody or a hook from one of the songs, but I never really listened to it. And then as I started listening to, to the new music, my, I understand how to flow and how the rhythms are because, you know, the flows of today is completely different than the 90s, early 2000 flows. Right. Let's so, talk about a let's talk about another record that you did called Lapse, and you gave a huge shout out to the the late great Nipsey Hussle. Uh, what does what does what does Nipsey Hussle mean to you as a human being, as a recording artist, as as a as a hip hop aficionado? What did what did Nipsey Hussle mean to you? Oh, uh, Nipsey Hussle. He was a. I thought he was a motivation, inspiration for other people, not just rappers, but just people in general. And he showed that if you never give up and you keep moving forward and you think smart and hard and you work hard, my fault, that you'll be able to accomplish whatever you're doing because it's going to be trips and tribulations, trials and tribulations that you're going to have to go through, that you're going to have to overcome. But as long as you keep pushing forward, whatever you're aiming for in life is going to happen. And also being mindful of what you're thinking and your energy and all all that stuff, and I and I really like this music too because my cousin put me on to him. Like I've been heard of him because he had this stuff in Philly for the Peanut Live show that goes on in Philly. But my cousin was putting me on to his music. So when Victory Lab dropped, I was listening to that, and I still play it from time to time. And just that I'm in a different music outside of hip hop to take my stuff further. So I don't listen to rap as much, but. Nipsey really had some really dope music, in my opinion. Especially dedication with him and Kendrick, Double Up, Million While You Young with the Dream and all those songs. Picture me rolling on his previous projects. Really dope stuff. If it's one thing you could change about the rap industry, what would it be? Um, talking about it's with the music business, right? Just everything. Everything all in the one. If you if you had the Free magic creative run, control. Creative control and um, fairer deal, so both the artists and the business is being taken care of without any complaints. So it won't be less of a pimping thing and seem like we hoes getting on the track. And if you don't give me my money, I'm gonna go upside your head type thing. No, you're you're, you're right, and I mean I think because um, lately I've been seeing and I've mentioned this to another hip hop artist, Mobbin, um, recent on a recent episode, and we were uh-huh. talking about the the rise of the independent game because of the fact that people want to avoid going the route of getting signed to a label but i do th- i think there needs to be a level playing field to a certain extent there needs to be a meeting in the minds as far as saying hey we there needs to be a happy medium here where everyone is being treated fairly you know the re- record label obviously they're 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 for profit we get that but i think also too is like you you want artists to have a legacy not just for music, but also a hey, generation to create generational wealth. You know what I mean? So yeah. I totally understand exactly what you're saying. I think there needs to be more voices out there talking about this because it's you're seeing it more and more now, and it it, it sucks in my opinion. There are loopholes with everything, even with racism in this country. That still goes on to this day, but it's loopholes. You have to do your research. So when it comes to like the record industry, if you study people like Nipsey Hussle and you study Jay-Z and them, you know how to beat the loophole and still be able to get signed to a fair deal. What you have to do is you have to build a buzz in some type of way so the label comes to you. When the label comes to you, you can negotiate a better deal, much better deal. But you have to build that leverage first. If you come to them, everything is on their terms. But if they come to you, you can negotiate a much fairer deal. 
That's what Jay-Z and them did back in the day. That's what some similar to what Master P did back in the day. That's what Nipsey Hussle did. But you have to build that buzz. But the only hard thing is sometimes a lot of artists don't have the resources. Like I'm struggling in some senses to be able to do this and do that, to be able to do it. So sometimes they lean on the majors. But if you just practice declining this instant gratification and work a little bit harder and be able to build your money up and partner with people, and y'all come into the thing full circle, y'all get a much better deal, make much, much better money. It's got to be more smarter with it, with investing things. Exactly, exactly. Now, how does your music fit in today's realm of hip-hop? It does, but it doesn't, because, like, my, my music is, like, more eclectic, and I never put myself in a box. So I might do this one song, then I go in a different direction. So how mods will it in is like the flows will be inspired by what's currently going on but i have my own flow like i rap horizontal most rappers that do it like the triplet flow like future and all them they kind of rap vertical right it's right like it's, how, a, good, it's, it's a good way to put it it's a good way to put it and if you're i i totally from one musician to another i totally understand what you're saying yeah because like um it's kind of like how Miles Davis, he played the trumpet horizontal, but everybody else like Dizzy Gillespie and all them, they played vertical and stuff like that. It's, just, it's the same thing because we got we a kindred spirit. And I noticed like when I'll do a song, they'd be like, I'll be like, every day more bodies get dry, like blue is getting pop. All we know is go is more, it's more horizontal. Right. They rap, but it goes like this. When I rap, it's like every day more bodies get dry, you know, but it's still on beat, but it's, it just hitting it different, right? Right, and so, I think it's a, it's it's more it's it's so many different ways to deliver, and I think it I think where I think what it boils down to is the delivery of lyrics, is the delivery of the flow, and you marrying all those two together, and that's what that's what makes just MBL who you are, and you're setting yourself apart from everybody else. Yeah, you got to create what's not there. Very well said. Very well said. Now, how did it feel? getting your music on the radio for the first time. What what did you say to yourself when you heard your song on the radio and you said, oh man, you know, what was that like for you and what was the station it was on? I know Jonathan and them had did it a couple of times, but I didn't always tune in. The one that I did tune into, like I would post that they were posting me and they're supporting me because they would be grinding me if I didn't do that. But the one I really like post, like saw was for Frills, DJ No Frills did it for me. Cause I've known him since I was a little kid. So oh, like, shout out to no, shout out to shout out to um, no frills out of Philly. I I've, I've spoke I've spoken to him on many times offline. He's a really good dude. I'm gonna bring something up about him a little bit later on. But when he did this, I was blown away. I was happy as I don't know, but even though the mix of the song isn't what the final product is about to be, because my engineer is working on that track that got on the radio now. But I was just like blown away. Like I said, oh. the only thing I was kind of salty about is like Instagram's algorithm. When I posted it on my social media, it's like they shadow banned it in the sense. Like I had to send it out to people for people to actually see it. But besides that, I was happy. I was like, oh, I'm starting to get where I need to go. You know, everything happens in divine timing. It's not when you want it to happen. It's when it's supposed to happen. Right. That's a that's a very it's, it's a really good outlook too because when it's your turn it's your turn when it's your time it's your time to shine so you keep that mindset and like I said you're definitely going to go far now for you in your opinion what do you feel is crucial for the your trajectory to getting where you want to be one of the things before I even start putting myself out there in terms of getting on blogs or running ads. I have to finish getting my songs mixed and mastered by my engineer. He just takes a little bit longer because he's trying to make sure it's perfect. And one of the things that he told me recently to do is he got me back into layering my vocals. Because if you listen to a lot of hip hop records nowadays, I don't know if it's just me. It just sounds like even with the hook, it sounds like it's just one layer of a vocal. Is it just me? Like if you listen depends to up, baby, I mean, it, your well, it depends. It it really depends on it, it depends artist. on the producer. It, you're right. It all de- it really all depends. A lot of the stuff that I hear that's like the little babies. Don't be wrong. I love their music. I listen to that stuff often, so I can know what's currently going on with the drum patterns and the bass lines and the rhythms and what's going on in the street. But um, what he got me doing is laying, relaying my vocals. So I'll do a lead hook for the hook, and then I'll say the double underneath. And then after that, I'll say certain phrases underneath that to give it more color to the painting. 
and I'll do something similar with my verses. So now that I'm doing that, I got my, I got that together. So now I just have to send it over. But one of the crucial things is the marketing, the money, so I can buy better equipment. And then with also having the money, I can get myself on Worldstar or, or say cheese or run ads through Facebook. They go on Facebook and Instagram. I just had to target the song to the right audience. Things of that nature. That's that's the most crucial thing. I got the talent down pat and I got the work ethic because I hear music in my head all the time. I was I was gonna record today, but I was just preparing for this. Well, I I'm new stuff to do. <laughs> I got some I, new stuff. I record almost every day. Well, that's good. And like I said, to your point, as far as is almost like being an athlete, you have to have an athlete's mindset when you're doing this because you have to continue to push yourself, push yourself, push yourself every single day. And yeah. then when you get to this, it's almost like you got, you don't have to, so when you stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. You know yeah, what I mean? I, and, yeah. Lately I've been studying, uh, besides me studying like the jazz artists and the classical and stuff like that, everything outside of rap, because I studied all the greats and rap. I've been studying Michael Jordan. I've been studying Tom Brady. I've been studying Floyd Mayweather. I've been studying Mike Tyson. I've been studying all the Kobe, you know, and it's and it's all that's what goes back to we say everything's connected. They same kind of mindset towards their craft. It's the same thing I have to do towards my craft. Exactly. Now, what is your biggest fear? I'm gonna be completely honest, bro. We don't have any fears. I, I'm with them. You know, having to grow up in Philly, having to grow up have, getting fights or people trying to jump you, people trying to pull out guns on you and stuff like that, and almost being homeless at times. When you go through stuff like that, you don't have any fears or anything. You know, I'm very confident how my future is. I don't have any fears. I, I generally don't. I, I face them all. And I used to be very scared, so I'm not talking like trying to be arrogant or uh-uh. No, no, no. I, but, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I feel like the spirit of God is flowing through me and everything is having its divine time and I'm spiritually protected through everything. Now, what do you what is your definition of success? My definition of success for me would be being a multimillionaire on Forbes list, inspiring other people, not just artists, but people all around the world to never give up to what they want to do or never let the elevator bring them down, like Prince would say. Mm -hmm. Um, be able to help my friends and family. Financially, when I get my money, after I've done taking care of myself, because I can't help nobody if I don't help myself. Making sure they have six figures and they might become millionaires, teach them how to fish, things of that nature. When I'm done doing that, be able to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, go sell millions and millions of records through a lot of streams and traditional album buys, tour all, all over the world. If I find somebody, a woman that's worth settling down with, because it's kind of crazy nowadays, but have kids, start a family, things of that nature. All about that's the good things. To yeah. And to me, and, and just the, the last thing you said, those are the simple things. I think those are the most important things, you know, family and, you know, all those and, and having that having that support system there around you. Yeah. It's nothing like it's nothing like that, you know, and, I, and for people, for friends of mine that are married with children. You know, the the one thing that they say is like when they come home, it's like see their wife and kids. That's peace. That's you know what I mean? So in a crazy world we live in. Absolutely. So and you definitely need that. So tell me one, I guess whether it's funny or anything of the sort, but name one fun tell me one funny stu studio story. I remember I used to do engineering in Philly, and one of the homies that I knew had a homie that wanted to record. And I, I still had to I think I still had the video and he said some weird stuff and me and my homies, we were smoking weed and we was high. He said something like weird on the track. We just kept replaying it over and over again. We were just busting out laughing like, yo, what this just saying? <laughs> <laughs> like he, it was like some of the weirdest stuff ever. Like I, I was rocking with him because he was a cool person, but I'm like, yo, what did he just say? It was like, it's just how funny and how weird he said something. And we just kept Winding it back and back. You know, when you high, you twisted, you you think everything's funnier than what it is. And you just tears laughing. I got a lot of f funny studio uh, stories. You actually got me reminiscing on things I kind of forgot about. Oh, wow. It's been so long. Now, where do you see yourself in regards to music five to 10 years from now? 
I see myself having a partnership deal with a major label going all over the world. I want, I'm trying to have Just Mania, something like the Beatles Mania, but uh, um, recording every day, eating a healthier diet, dropping a project every six to seven months. And between those six and seven months, have a couple singles that will do really well, creating music that's really pushing the boundaries, but still being commercial at the same time, at you know, right. being experimentally commercial. Um making a lot of money and be able to give back to people besides, you know, me, my little self vanity, I call it jokingly. And <laughs> that's where I see myself in five, 10 years. I, I really see it. Cause I, my, my life feels like a hero's journey. That's what I'm basically trying to say. Gotcha. Now name some artists that you, that you've come up with. Um, that's helped you along the way. Producers, sound engineers that's helped you along the way to get you where you, where, where just NBL is today. Um, I want to shout out my homies, D4M, Salone, and Sim Santana. They're actually signed now to major labels. They helped me. Because my homie Salone, when I was younger, remember I told you I rapped like on some old school stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I did it like that because I built my foundation for when I do get on the new beats. But he used to tell me like, bro, like you can rap, bro, but people be saying you don't got no vibes when you rap and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I can rap good. But, like, the way I'll be rapping, is, it doesn't have, like, replay value, if that makes sense. Going back to delivery and the flow and things mm-hmm. like that. And and I'm and, and Miles Davis always say this. I wasn't matching the social street sound. I'm, I'm trying to rap like it's 1998 or early 2000s. In 2010, that's not going to work. I'm not matching the social street sound. I'll give props to them because that changed how I heard everything. And also, I had an OG that lived in Florida. When I was living in Florida, I was from New York. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me something kind of similar because when I was rapping to him, I was just rapping it on and on. You know, Philly rappers we have you on just spitting bars, and he was telling me, you know, you got to make songs, not just rap. You got to write good songs. Now I was already—I said this before, so I feel like a broken record. But he was—I was already starting to write songs. But when he said that to me, ingrained in my head, so I started learning how to make hooks, have bridges, intros. Make sure my verses go back and stay on topic to the song. Studying other great songwriters in hip hop and outside of hip hop. And lately I've been studying composers and other musicians and stuff like that to really make music. Not just somebody that's spitting bars. You got to make songs. That's what people want to hear. Unless you're doing a freestyle or it's a cypher, basically. You know, what you just said reminds me of the movie Hustle and Flow. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not with Terrence Howard. I haven't seen it, but I want to see it now that you brought it up. I know what you're talking about. And it was the scene where they were starting to this is before they um he recorded the song um whoop that trick, and he was spitting and spitting and um Anthony Anderson was like, "Do you want to keep going? You want to keep flowing and flowing, or do you want to make a track? You know what I mean?" And uh. And this is it was it was incredible because it was really start he was starting to show DJ because that's what Terrence Howard name was in the movie DJ. It's not about flow and flow and flow. It's about constructing a complete thought. Verse one hook, verse two hook, the bridge, bringing it back to you know the you know to the hook again and however you want to construct it. But he was trying to teach him how to do that in the studio in his makeshift studio in his side room. But it's it's amazing that. That movie came out in 2005, and here we are in, tw- in 2020. Yes, yeah, so what I mean. It's like I saw that in the theater when it came out, and even then, it was just like, wow, that that was that was an incredible lesson learned about how you really have to utilize your creativity. You know, when you're trying to create these songs. So he was rapping in that movie. Yes, Terrence Howard was actually rapping in the movie, so I would definitely recommend you to go find Hustle and Flow. It's I'm sure it's streaming out there somewhere. And because I, I was gonna say buy it on DVD, but no one's buying DVDs anymore. So you can definitely check it out. I mean, I, it's one—it's one of my favorite movies because it—it—it it, it, it told a story about a about a guy who was a pimp. He was a pimp, and he was—he had his women staying with him or whatever the case. But he really wanted to be a hip hop artist, and he was trying to find his way into 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 making it. I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but that's kind of the, uh-huh. you know, the premise of the movie. But when it gets to that part, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Because that's exactly what you just said in regards to how 
instead of flow and flow and flow, you really want to bars. You got to put a stru structure of songs. People want to hear songs. Hey, they want to hear songs. That's they Eminem's wanna... problem. And a lot of other rappers, they want to rap too much. No, you got to put a song together. And you got to talk about things people want to hear. Like, there'd be a lot of rappers or people that's in the hip hop will call people casuals. But what they don't understand is the casuals want to hear songs that relate and resonate with them. That's why Tupac was so big. You got to make also... songs that touch people. But also, the casuals are the ones that are buying music. But they're not really even casuals like that to me. They just, they just, casuals want to hear good music. They don't want to hear right. people spitting. Because a lot of times, what's considered real hip hop, they be, they be bragging about how MCs ain't better than them. I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear, right. I want to hear some good song, right? I want to hear some artistry. That's why I like Kendrick Lamar, Jay Z, Tupac, and them. They, they can rap real good, but they know how to structure them records. And they'll hit on people like them. But, because Thomas no, they're only impressed with the casuals. This is real hip hop. Like, no, it's not. Right. Everything is real hip hop. Every that's like saying hip hop ain't real music. Everything's real music. Does it have a rhythm? Does it have some type of melody? It's real music. Don't get into that pretentious kind of mindset. You know that snobbish mindset. That's pushing music back, not pushing it forward. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I'll be honest with you. Like, even as me growing up in the eighties and, and coming from that job, and I grew up on the. MC's better than this one and that one, you know, with the Rock Kims and the Karis ones, uh, and I will always have those guys at my top. Rock Kim, that dude and Karis, they they dudes. I yeah, know, they, I, they but they did it right though because they talked about other things as well. You know what I mean? Conscious, they, they were the always boundaries. conscious, absolutely. So those are those are two Follow of my the leader, favorites. I ain't no joke. Yes, sound of the police, all them joints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those guys, I felt were the, the, the pioneers, and that's what I mean. Like, I growing up in that era. And seeing where the genre is now, because I mean, heck, I'll I, I keep it real. Rap music was people saw it as a fad. You know what yeah, I mean? What I like they didn't like they. The Slick Rick was just talking the other day about how he boycotted the Grammys back in the day because they didn't even air the hip hop. Um, my dad was telling me about this. Yeah, yeah Will Smith and all of them. And I'm yeah. and I met. I actually seen. Uh, not to cut you off. I seen Slick Rick in concert a couple years ago, in 2019. Mm -hmm. Right, I, I mean, love his music. Yeah, Slick, and he was, and Slick Rick was the ultimate storyteller. He was the ultimate. It's the moment I feared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was be, he was, he was ahead of his time. I mean, yeah, the, the Slick Rick that was the, the listen, the children's story, Mona Lisa, Hey Young World. I mean, just and so his rhythm big. is crazy. Mm -hmm. And if you think about one, it's one of these songs. I think he did with Dougie Fresh. A lot of the phrases he was. And then there became big hip hop songs. Like that's where Biggie got hypnotized from. That melody from that and things yeah. like that. Well, that's crazy. Snoop Dogg. Well, Snoop Dogg actually Snoop. redid Lottie Dottie. Yeah, on a doggy style. On the doggy style album. That's yes, he did. And Snoop did a damn good job on it. You know what I mean? But again, Snoop is another guy that is I don't think is appreciated as much because I mean he just put on his Instagram the other day. He he has twenty Grammy nominations. Not one Grammy. And I'm just like, that's a travesty. That is an absolute travesty of of the, the genius. Snoop was the biggest rapper for a very long time. And his longevity is still it's ongoing insane. now. He's a culture, he's a culture icon. I mean, he is, he truly is. So where can people find you on social media? Where can they find you? You know, YouTube, everything, website. Tell them where to find you. Uh, type in just NBL J U S N B L. And you can find me there on anything. Just to give the heads up, so I'm in the process of getting these other songs that I recorded at the house mixed and mastered properly so it gets to that quality that it needs to be. But besides that, you can find me on anything. All right, man. Well, again, again, the honor and the privilege, like I said, to have you on. Like I said, to have such a, a young artist with, with an incredible energy and from what I'm hearing from you, the sky's a limit, and yeah. you're gonna really, really go places with the mindset that you have. And I think a lot of young artists need to take that mindset that you have and apply it to their own. Because I mean, hearing what you're saying, how you're applying, you know, everything to your music and to your life and everything, I think that is an incredible thing. Keep doing what you're yeah. doing, and like I said, sure. you know, you you're gonna do some incredible things, and you're gonna change the world. You're going to do it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks All right, for man. having me. No problem, man. And we'll definitely be talking to you next time for sure. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the d Lou Podcast. Once again, I want to thank Justin BL for uh, stopping by, you know, to 
you know, to tell his story about his journey, about where he's been, where he's at, and of course, where he's going. And again, I wish him all the best of what he continues to do in music. I need you guys to do me a huge, huge favor. Danny Cage, um, my coach, boss, you know, he's the head coach. He's the owner of the world-famous Monster Factory where I do my ring announcing. He just launched his podcast this week, which is called It's the Journey with Danny Cage. The show features a wide range of guests, including celebrities, entertainers, journalists, athletes, and filmmakers. The show is an unscripted and conversational podcast giving guests the opportunity to express their views and share their life experiences with listeners. You can listen to It's the Journey with Danny Cage on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Like I said, Dan, um, one of the most influential people in my life, not just in my career, but in my life, and he changed my life for the better, giving me an opportunity to live my dream, being involved in the world of professional wrestling, and speaking of the world of professional wrestling, this Saturday afternoon, Monster Factory presents Monster Mash, 4 p.m. bell time, okay? 4 p.m. bell time, it's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of action. Um, you can get your tickets now at the door the day of the show, or if you want to get a head start and get your tickets online, just go to monsterfactory.org, and you can check out where to get your tickets and make sure you do not miss this show. Now, I want you all, if you haven't subscribed, I need you all to subscribe to this show, the d Podcast, okay? No matter which platform that you're on. I mentioned the platforms that Dan's show is on. I'm on several several podcast platforms as well. So whichever one you decide to use, just make sure you just hit subscribe and you'll get all new content every time it's uploaded. And on Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a review. So make sure you leave that five-star review, all right? And subscribe, as I said before. Again, my record, Espacion, with the one and only Angie Stars, is out now on several platforms. The music video was on Apple Music, Tidal, as well as YouTube slash Vivo. Make sure you do that. All of my social media, The Real DT Lou. Facebook, though, is Derek T. Lewis' official page. Well, I'm going to get out of here, guys. And as I always, always say to you, no matter what it is you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.